I'm Asam, it's Friday and this is the Friday Show. It's been another long old international break, but the real football commences again tomorrow with City taking on Stoke at the Etihad. Joining me to preview that game and also to look at the month ahead until the next international break, I've got a decidedly grown up team today, Stefan and Mark. Firstly, welcome Stefan, how are you? Hi, good, how are you? Very well, thank you. Mark, welcome, how are you? All good. Wonderful, wonderful. Gentlemen, I'm going to go straight in with an opening question. Um, I read this morning, and actually we've known for a short while, City are doing a fly-on-the-wall documentary with Amazon Prime, and they will have full access to the club and the dressing rooms. Now, just remembering the debacle that was the Being Liverpool documentary, do you think this is a good idea, a bad idea, or just a sign of the modern football times? Uh, Stefan, I'll start with you. Uh, well, I don't know if any of you have seen the um, the Amazon Prime series. I think that presumably is the same sort of format, which is the All or Nothing series um, about the NFL. So they've done a couple of seasons of it where they follow a team over an entire season. Uh, first time it was uh, the Arizona Cardinals, um, and then they followed uh, Cronkies' team, um, whose name escapes me. Um, and it's an amazing series. I mean, if you haven't seen it, even if you're not into the NFL, um, it's an amazing series. It's got brilliant insight. Um, you've got all these different aspects to it and uh, highly recommend it. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I think there is some risk because I think when you, whenever you have something like uh, this kind of uh, insight for a media company, you lose control. So, you know, mm. City will not have editorial control at the end of the day. And so inevitably there is some risk. Um, but I think uh, if, it, if it's anything like the All or Nothing NFL series, it'll be amazing for us to watch, uh, if nothing else. Why was that NFL one so good? So it was a combination, really, because it had... So the first season was a team that was on the up, uh, going for the playoffs, going for the Super Bowl. You saw the, the dynamic in the dressing room, a winning uh, dressing room. You saw all of the uh, a successful coaching system, um, it showed um, great insight into things like the transfer market, their version, obviously, the draft and the free agent system. So that was all really good. And then in the second season, you had um, the kind of the dressing room politics um, and coaching issues of, of a team that was failing. So you saw the other aspect, you know, coach gets fired midway through the season. Uh, how does everybody react to that? Um, it had also a bit of Cronky, which was interesting. Um, so it had both aspects. I mean, obviously, you, you know, we hope the City one is more about the race for the title or whatever, Champions League or whatever. Um, but it, it's the level of insight that they get. Uh, you know, it really was a access all areas. Uh, they're in the background. So during the draft, you see the kind of control room. Uh, you're watching them in negotiation with players and things like that. So if you have the football version of that, it's going to be really great. Wow. Um, Mark, are you, let's, let's say that it is that similar, that they have that kind of access. Are you surprised, not so much at City, but at Abu Dhabi at the, the kind of the ownership allowing that kind of 24 seven carte blanche access behind the scenes? Yes. If, if I was the, uh, head of PR for City or to do with Abu Dhabi, I would say to the programme maker, that's an excellent idea, and then explain why there were 19 other clubs that were more suitable to do this than City. I also think we've actually been here before with City. This is not new. 
one of my earliest memories of supporting City was that the, in the Peter Swales documentary, the 1970s, Nationwide, if you remember, on BBC One, did a series on City called Saturday Heroes, which was the same idea. We want to get right inside the club, understand what's happening at a big first division club. And of course, what happened then would is what would happen now, inevitably, the power is seeded behind the camera because from a journalistic point of view, there was one thing that dominated that programme, which was the fact that it was clear as anything. And I remember watching it with my dad. and He says, all this is telling me is that Colin Bell is finished because that yeah. was what they were interested in, the fact that Colin Bell was recovering from that injury but was clearly never the same player again. Now, I don't think that even in the Swales era, the city's plan in doing this was to uh, uh, tell the whole of the nation that their greatest ever player uh, was crocked and was crocked in part because his recovery had not been managed properly. But that was the message that the nation got. So you you you, you definitely think it's a, it's a big risk doing something. You don't think in a... I guess that the the evolution of the club and and how sort of progressive it's become and how modern it is now. I mean, it's really the maybe the example of ownership of a football club in terms of how to run it and how to build it and into something greater than what it was. Um, you don't think there's a, a an angle there that is really actually quite important. Even like, it, it sounds daft, but even from a financial fair play point of view, the 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 image of City is really just one of, of excess and largesse. Uh, and to most of the rest of the country, what goes on at the CFA, uh, the women's football team, all the kind of community stuff that City do is 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 often it's ignored or it's it, it's not paid the the right attention in my opinion you don't think doing something like this will give people a a wider view of the club all right i'm a journalist i'm also a city fan and i accept a lot of what you're saying is not known about and not reported but equally were i to be in charge of that i would be wanting to respect my journalistic qualifications and peers and therefore i ultimately would be wanting to ask questions that Abu Dhabi were not unhappy to answer, but they're the ones that remain unanswered, which is why have they done this in the first place? What was their reason for investing in in, in Manchester City? And that's something that, and don't get me wrong, I think that they are fantastic i mean i obviously you know we'll we 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 we'll speak with deep gratitude they have been fantastic custodians but you you've got to ask those uncomfortable questions um and ultimately you're always looking for that uh uh, uh thing that that angle that isn't the, the the necessarily what they had in mind from a pr point of view i mean when i uh saw the uh the agenda for this ASAN, my immediate thought is, what would I want to see on this programme? We've seen those shots of the new dressing room, haven't we? The new home dressing room looks fantastic. When I saw that, the first thing I thought of is they've not shown the stage where Eddie Large does his turn at half time. That's what I want to see. 
Uh, excellent, Mark. Um, okay, let's talk about some football. Um, I want to start by kind of looking back over September and just kind of seeing how we feel about it. Now, we won seven games out of seven in September. We scored 25, and I believe that we only conceded one, which was in the League Cup anyway. Um, I'm interested from from both of you, what, if anything, you learned from September in terms of the players, the team, Guardiola, just in general, what what, what do you think you can take from that month? Um, Mark, I'll start with you. I think the interesting thing is not what we have talked about, but what we haven't. And I speak here as uh, 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 a uh, uh, somebody who is this guy's biggest fan. But we had all those games without Vincent Company, and for the first time, it it wasn't something where we were uh, going on pods like this <laughs> every week. Uh, our biggest thing is: is he going to be fit or is he not? Mm. And I, I think that is a, a a step change forward and a healthy thing for everybody. That I'm not quite so much as I once was. That the team selection is company silver and nine others. And I at times I didn't really have strong views on way as to which combination of nine it was because they were all good. But those two were absolutely crucial. And look, I I I I think that Vinny is such an important person in the, the history of the club. Uh, I think that he, uh, when he's fit, he remains a world class defender. We would be absolutely off our boxes if we were ever to sell him before the end of his contract, because he's worth far more to us than he is to anybody else. But equally, realistically, I think we all know he's probably got a a limited number of games left in his career. And I think that what I've taken for the last month is maybe we can now use him when we really need him. And there are going to be matches where we absolutely need his Mm. leadership, what he provides. But maybe we don't need him for... Uh, home games against Stoke City. And if we've got to that stage, then that is fantastic for us and fantastic for him as well. Hmm. Stefan, um, uh, I'm interested in what you think about what Mark's just said. Well, I agree with the premise, but I mean, I think... um, Look, it's early days in terms of uh, whether we can cope without him. We can... I, I think um, okay, I think it it makes a massive difference when the team can perform in the way that it has without him. Um, I, I'm not sure we ever needed him really against Stoke at home. I think it's I think when you play away at Chelsea and you don't seem to need him, that's that's for me as a much bigger indicator. Um, I think on top of that, we've got um, a situation where I think he might actually be pretty close to the end uh, under this management. I think, um, I mean, where is he? So he's not training. This was meant to be a very minor injury. He got it again on international duty. I I just cannot believe that they said to him, yeah, sure, go, go to Belgium. Brilliant, brilliant. You know, you finally got yourself fit. You go off to Belgium for pretty much a meaningless qualifier in the first place. And he comes back injured. I I think that that, uh, they would have had a problem with that. Mm. That may be the case, but I think that Guardiola has also seen the difference that he makes. And uh, again, I, I'm very much in agreement with uh, uh, Stefan. It, 
there are matches where I absolutely want him fit out on that pitch and playing. But the ability for us to pick those matches rather more than we once had and not think that this is laced with risk, I think is a a major step forward. And he's contracted, I think, for another couple of years, isn't he? So there's there's no point in, in getting rid of him because... He, he is worth so much more to us than he is to anybody else. Well, he's unsellable anyway. I mean, you know, I think we, should, we have to admit that if he has got... We don't know what the situation is with the injury. I mean, it's all very mysterious. You know, when he, when he did this very minor injury that was meant to keep him out for a couple of weeks, um, you know, it, that's one thing. Where, where the guy is now not even training, um, well, that's quite something different isn't it Stefan does it make a difference I mean I, I I don't know how certain this is but certainly I I recall reading this in the last week two weeks that there in Belgium there either he's already said it or there are there is a feeling that he will retire from international football this summer that after the World Cup that will be it for for him in international football will that make a difference do you think moving forward do you think it makes a difference to the club to Guardiola everybody involved well, it's after the horse has bolted. I mean, you just the guy, it's so obvious that for quite some time he he should have been prioritising his club football, in my view. And we're obviously biased. I understand that, and he wants to go. But to me, it's just obvious, uh, especially um, in the in where he just got injured in the um, in the qualifier that they've already qualified. Uh, he didn't need to go. What the hell is he doing going for the medical checks? What is that all about? Mm. So I, I don't know. Yeah, great that he's finished uh, international football. But for me, it's been obvious for a long time that if he wanted to have um, a recovery in club football uh, as part of this squad, that he needed to, to jack it in. Yeah. I think that's a fair shout. Um, just in terms of we've... That's, I guess that's probably the biggest, it's a positive and a negative, depending on which way you look at it. Mark, you've obviously talked about it in the, in the positive sense, which is that we only concede one goal in the entire month of September, more or less without Vincent Company. Um, and we do go away to Chelsea in that period. Um, just looking at that month as a whole, Stefan, is there anything else, just from a positive point of view, that you took from the month that gives you a... a a feeling that this is different from a year ago, because obviously a year ago we weren't too far away in terms of the points that we've accumulated now and the points that we've, we accumulated then. Yeah, I think remar- I think there's a big difference. So uh, yeah, I think the, the two main things for me, and we talked about it before, but the, the, the confidence around the, the squad in terms of um, the system and the players around them, I think is, on another level compared to last season. Like we, we had some high spots in that first 10 games uh, last season, but the reality was it, it wasn't, it wasn't amazing. I mean, it was, we, we knew there was going to be uh, more tests as we went through the season. Uh, this season, I think there is, uh, the squad is far better. The depth of the squad is far better. We can cope with uh, injuries in more positions. Um, I mean, obviously, we've already been hit by some pretty big injuries, um, but we're definitely more capable of, of dealing with that. And so I think when you put those two things together, and then some of the players that we've been hoping would hit the heights, uh, KDB in particular, 
you know, it's a pretty good combination. Um, and we've got great momentum. So we just, the key thing now is that we don't stumble in one of these. We've actually got a group of games that we, you know, given all the home games that we've got coming up, we, we've got a really great chance of putting a nice long run together, uh, putting a bit of distance between us and some of the teams uh, below United, because I, I think United are on another level, um, and taking it from there. But I think it is a big difference from last season. Okay. Wonderful. Uh, Mark, do you think it's too early to talk about the title and the title race um, or not? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we may well be discussing this later on anyway. We're going to find out quite a bit more about United over the next month. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the match this weekend, but the, 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 the Chelsea and the Spurs games, I think, for them will really tell us something about a title race. From City's point of view, we have gone away to the champions and have won. And that, I think, does legitimately put us in the frame. But while it is obvious that it is a different kettle of fish to 12 months ago, it is beyond superficial to say it's the same. (laughs) Of course it isn't. For for any number of reasons that we all know it's 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 different and better now uh, it, it is pick still out a couple October. of things pick out a couple of things that that you think are um visibly stronger better it can be players or you know as a collective things that they're doing i'm i'm trying to get, i'm trying to get to the nub of what actually physically is better from a year ago at the at the risk of stating things we've discussed at length on this pod before the goalkeeper is an upgrade the fullbacks are an upgrade out of sight Uh, even with the Mendy injury uh, that still remains the case Uh, centre half I think that the players now understand the uh, demands put upon them by Guardiola and equally the players in front of them understand what they need to do Hmm. Uh, and then uh, going further forward into the team, we've understood how to play Silver and De Bruyne in the same team. Because if you remember, a year ago, we were tending to shift one of them out to the wing. And it, yeah, whichever one it was, it wasn't ideal. And then going further forward, uh, Sane has been integrated properly into the side. Gabi Jesus wasn't here 12 months ago. Aguero is consistently fit. And uh, Sterling is obviously a, 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 a better player than he was a year ago. Okay, the, but aside from all that, what's changed? <laughs> if you want to, on a serious point of view, if you want to look at where we are potentially not quite as strong, I, I, I have to say that I, I I am still slightly concerned that we sold Kelechi in the summer and didn't replace him because I, I just feel that we are... I'm not sure Aguero will actually play this weekend. And suddenly we're down to one central striker. But Kelechi's not the answer. I mean, he wouldn't have even been on the bench this season. Yeah, if not Kelechi, then somebody else. Well, I mean, I think that um, they obviously put all their eggs in the Sanchez basket and now they looks like they will do the same thing in January. So... um, I suspect they might get it over the line in January by the sounds of things. Um, but yeah, I would agree that I think that um, that's the one position where 
you kind of, you looked at that Aguero accident stroke injury and had it been bad because, I mean, he's obviously not fractured a rib because if he'd fractured a rib, there's no way that he'd be back in training this week. Um, so, but if he had fractured a rib and he was going to be out for six weeks, eight weeks, that would have put a lot of pressure on, uh, not just on Jesus, I think on Jesus, on Sane and on Sterling because those three guys would just have to score a hell of a lot of goals. Um, that is kind of the answer though, isn't it? I mean, I've always been a little bit, obviously, ideally you'd want another striker, okay? Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody would argue with that. But the fact that there are, we're saying that even if Aguero gets injured, then there are three players that effectively are going to be in those forward positions. It's three players. I mean, oh, you know, totally. I mean, we're not I, I, we're not bankrupt there. No, not at all. And also, the quality that's there is 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 excellent. I mean, it's not a. Um, I think the on, the only thing that I would uh, point out is for me, I think that it's uh, always a bit risky um, if you've got three really young players. I think that you ideally you want one exp- more experienced head in there. Um, and so I kind of look at those three and I sort of go, you know, in a way, I'd rather lose one of those three and have Aguero as one of the three at any given moment, because then you have that experience. Um, although having said that, I think it's a bit unfair to call Raz not experienced because he's been playing Premier League football for five years, more or less. You've also got to remember that, uh, and, you know, I said this on transfer deadline day, you actually break down the first half of the season. Um you take out the you take out the home games, even against the big teams. It's not that many games that are, you know, massive, difficult games. Uh, no. It sounds like a terribly arrogant thing to say, but no, no, it's factual. You know, in the first half of the season, I'm talking about. So actually, we really need to get to January. So even if you do get an injury in the first half, you're not completely stumped. You know, we can, if we want to, we do have the option of paying through the nose for Sanchez in January. That is, yeah. I think they'll be reluctant to do it, by the way. Uh, certainly over, you know, kind of 25. I don't think they'll, do, I don't think they'll pay through the nose. I no, think no, I, that's what I'm it. saying. I agree. Yeah. So, but the point is, you know, there's not that many games you've got to get through in the first half of the season um, to, before you get to January, if you've got a real problem. And I think, yeah. so... You know, and I think now already we're, we're you know it's mid mid October. We see what the fixture list looks like for the next few games. We should be able to deal with even if it wasn't with Aguero, we should be able to deal with that. And then we're you know then you've got the that that difficult period that we've always found quite tricky November. Um, but I think I think the squad's fine. I, I you know I think there's been a lot of I, I think we're really nitpicking now about where we might have a weakness. And for me. The Kalechi thing is a red herring because he wasn't just wasn't good enough, and he's not good enough yeah. now, and he wouldn't have made a difference. So, I'd rather play an extra midfield player than have Kalechi as my as as my striker replacement. That's a fair shout. It's a very fair shout. Um, okay, Mark. Just sort of looking at the way that our rivals have shaped up. So, uh, looking at Liverpool's September, United September, Spurs is September, Chelsea September. Um, how do you think they're all shaping up? I'm, I kind of, I've got one eye on the previous question really, which was about the title race. Um, 
obviously for me, I feel like it's going to begin to take shape in the next sort of set of fixtures. But just coming into that, how do you think they all look in comparison to last season and also in comparison to City? Um, We'll start with United. How do you think United have looked? They have beaten what's put in front of them very impressively thus Mm -hmm. far. But we will find out more because it suddenly goes uphill for United over the next month. I think that the Liverpool match is probably the one that I wouldn't draw too many conclusions from. Firstly, it's straight after an international break, which means that that's another variable that we can't really control. And also the clubs and the coaches can't control just how the players come back. And so you will often get either strange results or results that are exaggerated straight after an international break. And I also just think that uh, Liverpool are hopelessly inconsistent this season. Uh, they're, they're just you, you, you just can't get a read on a team by judging their performance against Liverpool because they are not going to perform at the same level from one week to the next. Uh, but I think that with United, when they play Spurs at home, and I stress at home because Spurs' problem is to do with the fact that they have all their matches are away, <laughs> but the ones that are officially away, they seem to be better at. Um, mm. uh, and Chelsea, because it's a, obviously a direct comparison with City, I think we will know quite a lot more. Uh, and, and from their point of view, it's a real opportunity to um, uh, 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 fire right back at City and say that we're in this. Absolutely. Um, Stefan, you live in the, the the lion's den that is London. The two London clubs, Spurs and Chelsea, what's the feeling down there and how do you think they're shaping up? I love the way you've just deleted Arsenal from... From from the record, I've, I've, I've still I've I've seen my ass about what happened with Sanchez. I'm not talking about them. They're a Europa League club, when they're a Champions League club. I'll talk about them. Well, I mean, I you know, I I, I still think uh, Spurs are overperforming a little bit. Um, I think the hype is still out of control. Yeah, they've been relatively impressive in some some away games, but ultimately they've dropped a huge amount of points at home already. And you know, mm. what are we five points ahead already. I think so, yeah. I mean, you know, when you drop those sorts of points, we had it last season, around this time. So you, when we dropped these points against Everton, Southampton and Middlesbrough, when you drop points at home against those sorts of teams, the games you then have to go and win are the really tough games. So it makes it very, very difficult for them. Um, so overall, I'm not, you know, and they're obviously hugely reliant on... on um, um, Kane. So I'm not massively concerned from a title perspective about Spurs. I think Spurs will have a perfectly decent season because they're, you know, they are, they've got some of the same um, factors as City, I think, in terms of confidence and, and system and uh, a unity about them. So I think they'll have a perfectly good season, but I don't see that they can, uh, that they can be in right at the peak of the title race. I think Chelsea will be there or thereabouts, but I think Mar- losing Morata for an extended period is huge for that. Kante has also gone for an extended period. Right. I mean, it's huge. So, um, you know, because I think they, you know, we talk about our weakness up front. Uh, you know, actually the interesting thing is when you compare our forward options to 
all of the teams, I mean, actually even including United, if any of them lose, you know, so if United lose Lukaku, um, if, if Spurs lose Kane, if Arsenal um, lose um, Lacazette, um, et cetera, et cetera, you know, everybody's got, almost no team in the Premier League these days has two or three top quality strikers. Gone are those days, you know, those, those days when we had four. I mean, they're just, they're just not, they're not there anymore. So um, I think Chelsea are particularly weak in that position and that will be a bad, big problem for them, I think. Um, so but I think the, to, to me so far, it's panning out pretty much as, uh, certainly as I imagined, uh, you know, I thought Spurs would have a problem at Wembley. I thought uh, Chelsea would still be still be strong, and I thought United would be the closest team to us. And I think that is the way it's going to pan out. I think I don't know if you saw these statistics about Lukaku playing something like uh, 150 out of something like 170 of his team's games in the last three or four years. I mean, the guy is almost never injured. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. It's incredible. Um, And uh, that's massive for United. Uh, But yeah, I think we all agree. We're going to see them tested a lot more over the next few weeks. They've had relatively easy fixtures. Um, Let's see what they do. I think they got lucky again with Liverpool because I think, as Mark says, I think it's a good time to play them. And I think that the Mane situation is a a massive blow for them. Um, Mm. Okay. So, can I just come in? You know, I'd expect them to win the weekend. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think that's the most likely thing is that, and you can see it happening, is that Mourinho will park the bus, l- line them up. It'll be one nil to United with a an appalling goal scrambled in in the forty third minute. Uh, that Liverpool will absolutely pile at them in the second half. They'll claim they have five penalties. They might possibly get one that they've got a case for, and Mourinho will do what Mourinho does. But I don't think it's certain because I just think that you just don't know what you're going to get with Liverpool. I think that, that there's also a possibility they could blow United away um, because they are occasionally capable of doing that. And but, but if that happens, that doesn't mean that United are suddenly out of it and we can relax. I just think it's a match that we need to take with a pinch of salt, whatever the result is. Well, I think we know. First of all, we're going to struggle there. <laughs> so. Anfield, it doesn't matter, you know, we, we know that we will struggle at Anfield, we always do. Um, I think Liverpool, again, it's not a massive surprise, Liverpool, is it? You know, they've got, a, they did not invest in the right way in that back five. And they, yeah. they've got massive problems in that back five. And the goalkeeper situation is, I mean, it's comparable to our situation in terms of last season, in terms of the way it was handled. It's, it's been appalling, absolute madness to destroy Mignolet's confidence just as he's starting to display some level of confidence. It's, I think it's very poor management from Klopp. Mm, just in terms of what you just said there, Stefan, um, isn't it a little bit counterintuitive if Mourinho goes there and parks the bus? Because it does feel like with Liverpool, their weakness is their back five. And so I appreciate that when they have come up against quote-unquote smaller teams, those teams have played on the counter-attack and, and some have got okay results out of it. But would you not... Do you do either of you envisage a scenario where Mourinho looks at, at that Liverpool side and goes, actually, the way to win this game is to try and win it? Can I come in on that one? I think there are two ways of playing Liverpool. 
And I think this may explain why they tend to get better results against certain teams. Way number one is the way that we did it at the Etihad, which is to really get at their back four in the way that you've described them. Say, they are weak, we will score more against them. And to commit to that... The second way is to do what Mourinho will probably do, of play very, very cautiously, uh, uh, let them have the ball on the basis that we will be able to break on them, and also, defensively, they will cough up chances. It's just a case of waiting for those chances to arrive and making sure that you take them. But you've got to commit to one or the other. I think that what may suit the way that Liverpool play quite well is a team that sort of goes some way between the two points there that sort of uh, gives them a a little bit of space to play in but also equally doesn't really ask questions of their back four and I think that probably suits them just fine and that is what what a lot of the sort of better teams in the Premier League have tended to do including City in the last year or two and that's probably why they've got better results against them. I think United have got... um... A, a, a very, to me, a good system against that Liverpool team is to let Liverpool come at you, not play a high line. Let, let Liverpool come at you so the pace can't get behind you and then just play long balls. And United are perfectly suited to play long ball football um, on the counter-attack. Very, very direct, either either to the wings, to the very fast wingers, or straight down the middle, over the top, to Lukaku. So I, I think United will... Drop back, let them let them come at them, and um, but largely will be effectively, you know, defensively minded and patient as opposed to mm. expansive and going going for Liverpool um, in an attacking sense. This is what somebody said uh, on this very forum a few weeks ago. United are basically the Moyes team, but with better players and a better manager. <laughs> that's yeah. what they're doing and I, yeah. I, I don't think you can complain about that it's it's it, it's a way of uh, playing football and being successful well we'll see if it's successful this season but um, I know a few United fans that have complained about it look looking ahead to City's fixtures in October particularly in the Premier League um, between now and the next international break we play Stoke Burnley at home West Brom away and then Arsenal at home Um how do you see, what do you see in terms of, just in a very very basic, from a points haul point of view, Stefan, how many points do you expect us to take from those four games? Um, well, Stoke, I think, you know, we'll talk a bit more, a bit more detail, but I, I, I think they'll beat Stoke. Uh, Burnley, I mean, is one of the most ridiculous turnarounds you've ever seen. I mean, you've got a team that can't get an away point barely and all of a sudden is winning and getting points at all of the hardest places. Uh, but you'd have to think that we'll, we'll beat them at home. Uh, West Brom, we've got a decent record against, but who knows? I mean, you know, it could be a bit physical. Um, and Arsenal, I'd like to think that we can win another one of those big games. I mean, we could get 12. I'll go for 10. Uh, you know, 10 will do, I think. Okay. Mark, do you do you see it similarly? Yes, I mean, the next three games are all traditional British managers who will all look to find traditional British ways of 
uh, uh, countering a Guardiola team. And, uh, uh, and I'm sure they'll all be looking at the second half of the West Brom game in the League Cup. And I know it wasn't quite the full City team, but if I were in their shoes of Pulis or Dyche or Mark Hughes, I'd be saying that's probably the way we've got to do this. We've got to make it into a physical test. We've got to get set pieces and we've got to try and bypass the midfield. Uh, and it's interesting to see the extent to which those coaches adapt their own teams to do that. Uh, possibly most interesting of all is actually Burnley uh, the, the week after uh, the Stoke match because what Dyche has done this season is that he's playing uh, DeFore, who obviously had last season but is now adapted to the Premier League as much more of a sort of deep-lying playmaker. So they are getting a bit more possession. And that's one of the reasons, I think, why their results have turned round. Mm. But he might also decide that while DeFore is a good player and he's realised that in the general course of the Premier League, he needed a bit more quality. They were just too vanilla for the yeah. Premier League. And that's why their results were, were were falling away. That, you know, City is a, a, a separate occasion. You know, they're, they're not going to win even with him uh, or can't even compete uh, uh, in a technical football match. Therefore, it's got to be a very straightforward, direct game. And I think the interesting thing will be how direct these three teams are because I get the impression that all three of them might be pretty long ball. So do you think that um, in terms of, if you look at that group of fixtures in a weird sort of way, actually Stoke, Burnley and West Brom become bigger games than the Arsenal game in the sense that it's the, it's maybe the type of challenge that Guardiola doesn't really like because he, he he often talks about teams like that and it's just he loves that long ball long ball long ball comment yeah um, and he does seem to imply that it they it becomes he doesn't like those war war of attrition type games um, is this uh, Stefan I'll start with you is this is this actually then a bigger test than Arsenal for Stones for Otamendi for that backline that has been so solid over the last month uh, not for me no. I think the the Arsenal game is a much tougher game, and um, you know I think we've done fine against, for the most part, against these teams. We've obviously got problems with the Everton, but uh, you know that's a it's almost an anomaly. Uh, you know we've 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 actually had very good results against these these sorts of teams, um, even away from home. Um, mm. So I'm not. Yeah, look, we can get caught with a long ball. We're not going to be under any great pressure in these games. There's going to be moments of the games where we get caught with a long ball or a set piece and we, we have to be mindful and we have to concentrate. Um, really, the test will be, can we break them down? They're going to stick a whole load of men behind the ball and, and it's going to be a case of whether we can get the break and score and score that first goal and particularly the second goal, which, which will finish most of these teams off. And, you know, do you feel I'm not, confident we can do that? I'm, well, look, we have to be confident right now because the team is, you know, is is at, is at peak level with most of our key players fit. So, yeah, of course I'm confident, yeah. Yeah, okay. I think we've got every right to be confident, but I also don't think we should be thinking that any of these games are straightforward either. 
No, I mean, it's difficult because I, I, I think that there's no, there's no game that's straightforward in the Premier League. It's not, I don't even think that's a cliche. Anymore. Stoke at home straightforward, uh, you know, and, and frankly, so is Burnley. I mean, look, I know, I know that might, again, this is, we're at the top of, if you're going to be a top team, Stoke at home with the injuries that Stoke have got and that manager who we'll talk about later, that's a straightforward, easy game. I mean, come on. No, I take your point, but you, you, I, I think that, or I suspect if you ask Guardiola, he will say that he finds those games in a way less straightforward than Arsenal or Chelsea, where the managers of both of those sides, those games for me are tactical battles. And I think that Guardiola will back himself in a tactical battle against any other coach in the world. But I think what he detests about the Stokes, the Burnleys, the West Broms of this world is that it's not a tactical battle. It's not a football battle. It's almost a battle of, it's almost a, a battle of nerve and, and, and physicality. And, you know, a lot of those teams, the in the past issues that we've had, have come from the idea that, well, if they hold their nerve for an hour and don't concede a goal, uh, and we don't hold our nerve in front of goal and we don't score goals, that those games then become... Basically, the problems that Liverpool are having this season, more or less, we had those problems last season, and they came against sides like this. I know, so, we, we just talked about 10 reasons why it's different. It's no, diff- absolutely. I think it's different. So absolutely. I, I'm not, um, I, I think there is a step change. And I think certainly the Stoke game, you know, they're without Shawcross. Well, I don't know whether we want to come on to it, but I mean, you're talking about Shawcross is out. Uh, Joe Allen was injured midweek. I don't know whether he's playing or not. Uh, Martin Zindi is probably out. Cameron's injured. <sighs> you know, come on. I mean, if we can't beat Stoke at home, then, then it's not going to be the season we hope it is. We, you know, I mean, it's a fair call. It's a fair call. Do you think that the um, the fact that we play Napoli on Tuesday, uh, do you think that affects the the team selection? Can I say something about Napoli? Um, yeah. I think that we've not looked at it really from Napoli's point of view. They've got Roma on Saturday then us, and then Inter straight afterwards. Oh! <laughs> um, now, I was reading something about Napoli and Sarri, and obviously they are fantastic uh, domestically in Italy so far this season. But the total focus around that club is winning their domestic league, which they've not done since Maradona. Yeah. Now... I think you've got to ask yourselves and put yourselves in their position. How concerned are they about Roma and Inter, which are just huge matches for them on either side of an away game at City in the Champions League, which may actually not be the uh, fixture that decides whether they qualify for the next stage or not anyway. But even if they go out of the Champions League, is that going to make their season a failure or not? It's a shame because I'd love to see them really come and test City. And as a just a, a football fan, I think it could be a match a bit like the Monaco one last season. But I'm not sure they're going to bring every player, to be honest with you. And they did it in the game in um, against Shakhtar Donetsk when they left Mertens on the bench. And I thought that was at the time because they underestimated 
Shakhtar. And I don't think it was. I think it's just that is how they are certainly prioritising the away games in the Champions League. I mean, they may play the full team in front of their own fans, but the away games, I, I'm just not sure we're going to see the full Napoli team. And therefore, if we go and beat them decisively, there might be an asterisk over that performance. Okay. Um, well, look, let's talk Let's talk about Stoke, because obviously that's the next league game for us coming tomorrow. Um, it's been nine years since Hughes was, uh, was appointed as City Manager. It'll be 10 years at the end of this season. Um, Stefan, I'll start with you. How do you look back on his time at City? I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of the guy at all. I think he was. Uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of the guy at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't rate him at all as a manager. Um, I think he's in the right place at Stoke. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, the whole thing about when he left the club and how he was mistreated. I, I, even today, I find it utterly bizarre I mean it, it was nothing more than happens with almost every single manager every single club fair enough um, Mark what about for you any fondness for Hughes fondness isn't the word I would use because I, 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 I always thought that he was something of a David Brent character to be honest and there were times when I thought that Rather like Stefan, he was out of his depth at that level. I mean, I not sort of say that he's a, a poor or incompetent coach. He's at about the right level now. And he was the sort of manager who did very well, partnering Robbie Savage with two guy at Blackburn and Roque Santa Cruz. And, and, and that's his sort of level. And you're seeing that at Stoke. And I, mean, I, and I don't want to belittle the guy. I mean, that's a, a very good level to reach. But that's what it is. Uh, in terms of legacy, what I would, ha- or you can't deny about the guy is fundamentally on his watch, Zabaleta and company arrived for very low fees, and they were terrific spots. And that's something that you really covered in your uh, interview with Mike Rigg. I'm not sure he was involved in those transfers, but he was certainly part of the Hughes team. And I think that for, 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 for those two, I think you've got to give the guy credit because they were, as we all know, key players taking City from where they were to where they are now. Mm. Now, Stoke themselves had a mixed September. They won one, drew one and lost two, including the they got slapped by Chelsea at home. Um, and the, But the draw that they did get, they got, they got against United. Um Stefan, how and where could Stoke be dangerous? <laughs> Is that for me? Yeah. Nowhere. <laughs> set pieces or some some Mate, you are goal. setting this up. You no, are setting right. this up for a 1-0 yeah. defeat tomorrow. We <laughs> might get beat. You know, we got beat by them 1-0 a couple of years ago in a similar sort of game, but they were a bit more robust at that time and we were a bit more fragile. Yeah. This is not a game that where we need to concern ourselves with them. We need to. Um, they've got their squad is now. They're not as physical as they used to be. So they've got. Mm-hmm. They're a footballing side as well. Um, overall, um, some of their some of their stronger. I, I think Joe Allen is probably 
arguably their best player, in my view, in terms of making yeah. him tick. And he's out, uh, probably. Um, you've got the best centre-half is out. They've got a good goalkeeper, fine. Um, and they'll be good on set pieces. I can't actually remember whether we were good on set pieces under Hughes, but let's let's give him the benefit of the uh, narrative that he's great on set pieces. So that's where our danger is. Um, beyond that, we should win the game. Yeah. I believe that under Hughes, we were really good at conceding goals from set pieces. Right, well, there you maybe, go. Maybe that's just my memory playing tricks on me, but we couldn't defend anything for Toffee. Anyway, um, what about for you, Mark? Do you do you see Stoke posing us more threat than Stefan does? Marginally. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think that they are very much the sort of team that City were a decade ago, looking at buying experienced Premier League or La Liga players with the aim of minimising the risk of inflation. Sorry, minimising the risk of relegation, sorry. Mm. Um, uh, As a club, and I mean, Stefan would know more about this than I would, uh, they've got an, an owner there, uh, Peter Coates, who must be thinking, I've got to turn this asset into cash at some point, and I live in the area, uh, and yeah, I can't just um, uh, 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 flog it to the first person to uh, 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 prove that they can pay the asking price. And from his point of view, his instruction to his manager is keep me in the Premier League because. As soon as they're not in the Premier League, the uh, the value of that S- asset that he will need to turn into cash at some point is going to absolutely fall through the floor. Mm. And I think that's the, the the basis of how the whole club is run, uh, and, and it probably will do until there is a uh, a change in the ownership cycle. That's not to say that uh, he hasn't in many ways. I mean, Leaving aside my viewers to on, on gambling generally, that they haven't been a uh, uh, he hasn't been a good owner of that club. What do you think of uh, what do you think that do you think Hughes has done a good job there? If you look at if you look at his time at Stoke, he has kept them in the Premier League. I don't recall. I think there was one um flirtation with relegation but that's about it for the most part they've been top half of the bottom half or a mid-table side do you think that's about par do you think he's overachieved underachieved i think that he's met the objectives in his appraisal yeah okay i don't see what more you can do i mean you know in fairness to hughes and i really am no fan of hughes but what more can you do you know you've got uh, a relatively low budget, not not tiny, but relatively low, a sort of middle-of-the-road budget. Um, you know, I guess that you do have uh, people, the players aren't living in Stoke, so that's that's an advantage that they got. The players can live in Cheshire and, you know, I suppose that that, that helps them in terms of recruitment. Um, you know, but I don't, what can he actually do? What What is a... What's a moving the dial season? Finishing seventh, you know. Mm. Well, he finishes a, there or thereabouts anyway. So, um, I think he's performing to to plan. Uh, I think possibly the thing that they'll be most disappointed about is that he's not really unearthed any real nuggets. Um, 
you know, he did have a bit of a reputation for that um, even before he came to City uh, of having, you know, a very good network that that, that uncovered uh, high quality players that people wouldn't necessarily be aware of. Uh, I don't, he's not massively done it. No, he's, he he has managed to attract some, you know, I think... I think Bojan going there, Afalai going there, Shakiri going there. Yeah, uh, but not, they've not really worked, have they? I mean, I, no, they've Sha- not worked. But they, they Shakiri maybe, there. but yeah, I guess they went there with big reputations that were bigger than Stoke, maybe. If that, if that's a, a fair thing to say. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, okay, so you both think it'll be relatively straightforward. Cool, I'm down with that. So bearing can, in mind... Can I just uh, make a comment that relatively straightforward It's not quite the word I would use here. I think it is a match that City should be capable of winning and we've just got to be better than them. There is no reason why they should not win it and win it comfortably. But last season, this was a nil-nil. So pick me a team then. Well, hang on, uh, Mark's going to get a job with Theresa May with that kind of political answer. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, what did you say? Quite straightforward. Yes, I he said extremely I, I straightforward. Relatively... Simple home win. Uh, if we are a serious football club this season, I completely agree. I, I'm as much as I have to play devil's advocate. I, I expect us to absolutely slap Stoke. Um, but what are the what are the selection kind of questions? Uh, looking through the defence, through the midfield, and through the attack, Stefan, for you, are there any questions, or does the team more or less pick itself with the injuries that we have? Um, no, I, th- I think uh, there's a mileage question. So I don't know if you've seen these stats. We, we by some distance have the highest international travel mileage over the last few okay. days. Okay. Um, and so I, I, although he's not really done this before, but I do wonder whether he'll look at the, particularly the South American players, um, and say, well, uh, you know, we can we can give some of those a bit of a, a bit of a break. Uh, I expect to see uh, Gundawan play. Okay. Um, you know, he's had now proper amount of training. Uh, he's looked good when he's come on. Uh, I can't see a reason why why he wouldn't get a start. Um, I don't think it's impossible for Yaya to start as well. Uh, okay. But, you know, again, depends on what he's been doing in training. Uh, and then probably the rest of the team does more or less. I'm not sure it's quite picks itself, but it's from the same group of players that we, mm. that we, uh, that we know about. Uh, I, don't, I don't anticipate Aguero starting. I'd be very surprised, but I guess it's not impossible, if you, as you say, if he hasn't actually... If it was just a bruise and it is now properly healed, um, and he's not having pain even when he laughs, um, then I guess you know I guess it's possible. Um, if that is the case, if he really is fit, I expect him to play over Jesus because Jesus has been around the world and and Aguero has been at home. So uh, would you take would you take Otamendi out and put Mangala in? It's a straight honest mm, question. No, I'm not uh, taking the piss mm, here. No, no. Yeah. I'd be reluctant to personally. Okay, I would. I, I think that uh, this is the the sort of match that we need to get Mangala involved in because there is going to come a big match where we're just going to need him, mm. and he and to, to bring him in completely cold. I think would be a, a, a 
not uh, entirely uh, uh, the right thing to do. Uh, from Otamendi's point of view, he has played on Tuesday night a very, very high-pressure match indeed at 9,000 feet above sea level. Um, uh, and anybody who has travelled from South America to the UK knows that even... Not I've done it on a private jet, but uh, however you do it, that is a big old journey and a big old time change as well. And mm. if you're talking about maybe giving a player a break, then I would say that Otamendi to sit this one out and tell him to get ready for Napoli. Mm. I mean, the problem with Mangala is he always looks like he's he, he's coming in from the cold, even when he's been playing regularly. That so. That, that's the nervousness I, you know we just I, I wouldn't want we just can't we're not in a position where we can take chances so but uh, everything you've said is right I mean we do you know he's, that that Ecuador uh, some, uh, I saw a very good tweet where they were saying Ecuador is of course the stoke of international football <laughs> a Tuesday night a Tuesday night game in Ecuador is the stoke of international football love it yeah I mean it's it's a long way back, and I, I I think the other thing I'd say, and this is slightly just my laboratory view on Mangler as a player. I'm quite interested to see what he looks like on the ball when Edison is in the team, because my theory is that he will really help Mangler because teams aren't pressing us as high up the pitch with Edison on the pitch rather than Bravo because they're aware of that 70-yard booter that he can do straight up to Sane or Sterling. Mm. I also just think, look, uh, the truth is if you look at um, the way in which Delph has uh, tried to assimilate himself into a new position and, and, and how that's worked, I think that at some point this season... Mangala will probably be given a chance. And I think that in a way at home against teams like Stoke, who are long ball teams to a greater or a lesser extent, um, I do kind of see that as the moment for for giving Mangala a chance. So bearing in mind the travel that Otamendi's had, I'm not convinced that Fernandinho is ever going to get a rest under Guardiola. Um, I think that with with Aguero, I think if he is fit, they'll play him ahead of Jesus with with Napoli in mind. So Mangala's the one that I see that could be the surprise inclusion across all the different lines on the pitch. I don't really see any other, you know, I think at left back it will be Delph as long as he's fit. Um, I think midfield KDB and Silva always play. Hey, there's one for you. Uh, Bernardo Silva, uh, a lot of people have said that was his best game for Portugal and he was their best player uh, in midweek in helping them qualify. Is it time he got a start in the Premier League? Yes. Stefan, would you pick yeah. him? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think he is. Yeah. I, okay. I, th- I think that one of Gundogan and Bernardo Silva has got to play in this game, if not both. And if one of them doesn't play in this one, the other, they've got to play in the, the in, in, in the Burnley game. Gotcha. Excellent. Well, I don't see um, why David Silva can't have a can't sit one out or, or be on the bench. I mean, you know why? Yeah, I mean it's. It, 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 I guess that so far 
the the three players that he seems to not want to rotate under any circumstances are Fernandinho, Silva, and De Bruyne. Yeah, but two of them are over thirty. I mean, I, look, we we know, of course, in an ideal world, he'd play them every single week. But I mean, that's the purpose of the squad. And we, uh, I, I mean, Fernandinho, I think, is a looming issue because mm. to have a player of his age traveling around the world with the Brazil thing. Uh, to be in every single game, I think it's an accident waiting to happen, and he's so pivotal to us. I think it's a, I think we're taking a very big risk, and I think we've seen historically as well that he fades in, in the second half of the season. So I, I, I'm not convinced we're managing that situation particularly well. But I agree with you; he does seem to want to play him absolutely every game. Just being devil's advocate for one moment, um, would you rotate tomorrow, or would you rotate against Napoli at home? What's tomorrow. the Say that again. Tomorrow for me. I mean, uh, Napoli okay. is a really hard game. I, I, I think Mark made some really good points about Napoli, but we know that the Champions League is a, is a very substantial next level to most Premier League games. Mm. Even even the the, I mean, this this is one of the better teams in the, in the Champions League. But even some of the mediocre teams in the Champions League will cause you problems, and uh, I think you have to be strong in those games. So I would be. I would be resting players against Stoke uh, and playing them against Napoli. Yeah, I, I, I would be too. Uh, the point that I make is we're just not certain the extent to which Napoli will bring their absolutely strongest team to the Etihad. And I've got conflicted views about it because in some ways I'd really like to see City tested. Um, but I think that it does allow us with Napoli if it's a, a relatively more straightforward game, if we are in control of it after 60 minutes, then certain players have, have, have got to get off the pitch. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay, listen, uh, we are an hour and a minute in, which I didn't think we'd we'd, we'd go this long. So uh, please give me a prediction for Manchester City against Stoke and uh, then we will say our goodbye. Stefan? Three uh, one always always put a goal in for the opposition. Even after one goal conceded in, I know, in I know. September. It's just easy if I put one in, then it's just 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 feel better, <laughs> feel better. <laughs> Mark, what about for you? Two nil. Yeah, I, I, you've taken mine. Okay, so I'm going to go with three nil in that case. I think we're keeping another clean sheet. You're, um, presu- you're presuming, of course, that's two nil to City, aren't you, Asen? I am presuming it's 2-0 to City. You did mean 2-0 to City, didn't you? (laughs) Yes, of course I did. (laughs) Wonderful. Um, Okay, listen, Mark, thank you very much. Thank you. Stefan, thank you very much. Cheers. To everybody who listened, thank you very much. This was the Friday show from the 9320 podcast. If you like what we do, go over to our website, 9320.com, and check out details about the 9320 player. We put out plenty of content each week over the course of the month and over the course of the season. It's only £4 a month. Well worth it. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Friday with another Friday show.